0: Thank you very much, Um, and again, this is our seminar program for today, and I am delighted to have Vice President Chris Kolb here to give us an update on the university. I mean, so many things are going on. I mean, we promised to keep it to only an hour, but I mean, this could probably go for several. Um, Prior to joining the university, Michigan. Um, Chris served as Governor Whitmer's um, state budget director. He led the Michigan Environmental Council, a nonprofit coalition of more than 60 environmental organizations for 10 years. He served three terms of the Michigan House of Representatives um, and also served six years as Ann Arbor City Council and as Mayor Pro Tem. Um, He's also a Michigan alum, so he's well experienced in university relations, as well as government relations from many different perspectives. So I think, and I think you've been vice president for three, three Okay. So again, so we're really looking forward to the update. Um, we'll hold questions till the end. Um, but again, I think this is a great opportunity to learn more about what's happening at the university, both at the university in and of itself, but also in the context of the, univer- of the whole state of Michigan and the political situation in the state. So thank you, Chris, very much for joining thank us. You.
1: Thank you, Thank you, and I, I do not have a PowerPoint. I'm old school. Uh, And yeah, and so I don't have to say next slide, please. Next slide. Uh, But two, I wish I had time to put together a PowerPoint uh, presentation. Uh, It has been a whirlwind uh, joining a large organization like the University of Michigan during a pandemic where you're trying to get situated with a leadership team who you don't meet face-to-face. We eventually would meet face-to-face for a, happy hour, and it was amazing how some people were a lot taller than you thought and some people <laughs> a lot shorter uh, than you thought. And you could figure out who was using filters and who was not using filters. <laughs> uh, but it's a pleasure to be here uh, with you. I won't speak for that long, and then we can have some Q&A and maybe move you along your agenda uh, as well. But it is, really is a pleasure uh, to try to give you a little sense of my perspective of the university. Uh, from not only my current position, but uh, from my, my past positions and having a u- unique position of being a townie, having been born and raised here. When I was interviewing for this position, I got to tell them that my first breath was taken at the University of Michigan. And it was. <laughs> <Born>? <laughs> Probably my last breath will be at the University of Michigan. Uh, I'm- Fortunately or unfortunately, but I, never, I tried to run away many times and, and found myself uh, back here. Uh, it was interesting when I was interviewing because I was the governor's budget director and I had a really great gig uh, and I enjoyed it. Uh, but this was a position that we would kid in my household all the time to say, well, if Cynthia Wilbanks ever retires, wouldn't that be a great gig to have? But it was a throw, I mean, it was like when we were walking the dogs. Or just, that was a throwaway chuckle line. And lo and behold, Cynthia did. And she retired, unfortunately, a couple years sooner than I wanted her to. Because I really felt I would be the, the budget director for four years and then would, would have to move on because uh, as a uh, cabinet member, you you have a shelf life and you at some point need to start thinking about transitioning unless you it's your last job you're going to do and you're going to transition a different way, which I wasn't prepared uh, to do. Um, but so when I was on city council well, one here, I'll, get, I'll take you back a little bit farther. As a townie, I grew up thinking every community was like Ann Arbor. I thought it had all the you know, entertainment going on, the diversity. I thought every community had a University of Michigan. there. I just didn't realize till I got older how unique uh, this town is and how unique the university is. And they really go hand in hand. And uh, it's been a great relationship. Uh, obviously, when I was on city council, I kind of felt the university had some really big footprints when it moved and we felt the ramifications. I'm quoted in the paper, if someone would Google and Dave down, delve down deep enough, you would see where I called it an 800 and 8,000 or 80,000 pound gorilla. When it moved, it left big uh, footprints. And I said, you know, we appreciated all the work they were doing in Detroit, but we'd love to have a few apples fall closer to the tree. Uh, and so those words have somewhat come back to bite me. Uh, <laughs> the other thing that, that made Cynthia Wilbanks chuckle was that when I was on city council, I said we wanted to have city council meet with the regents. And so we had a regent uh, city council dinner. She goes, guess what? You get to host it now. It's <laughs> all on you. And uh, we just had one recently. And it was really it was a fabulous, uh, a meeting. Uh, but I also from city council went up to the state house and represent Ann Arbor, my hometown, the University of Michigan, uh, and learned a lot there. Ran the Michigan Environmental Council for ten years. My degree from U of M is in natural resources, and it was great to have a job that I actually could use my degree. Uh, from? Because my mother kept saying, what are you going to do with that? It's fun to be able to tell what I did. Uh, And then, you know, the governor called. So before she was governor, she was Gretchen to me. And we were colleagues in the Michigan House. We came in together. I was from Ann Arbor. She was from East Lansing. Uh, We made bets. I lost some, brought up Zingerman's uh, brownies. She lost and she had to sing the victors on the House floor. She doesn't sing very well. She does lots of things very well, but singing is something she should uh, only do at home. Uh, but she is someone who I've known, as I said, for, for over two decades. Uh, I I'm very close to her personally and professionally. And I was going through the, the, the interview process and went through the first one and I was really, really, you know, kind of studied up and was was doing it. And it's so, okay. We want you to have a second interview. So I, I went, and I didn't realize it was going to be with the governor. And I walk in, I was like, Oh, it's you. Uh, we said hello, and and she opened it up and said, Why do you want to be my? It said, Chris, why do you want to be my state budget director? And quick on my feet, it was. Well, governor, why do you want me to be your state budget director? <laughs> well, she burst out laughing. Uh, but she said, you know, really, here's the thing, I know you work really well with Republicans and I need someone to work with them to be able to get our budgets through uh, the process. And that has been something that I think I've been known for throughout my uh, career is be able to to work across partisan lines and to find commonality uh, in areas of shared interest that we can work together to disagree on issues, but not to disagree with each other. Uh, about each other and to try those those things, to find something that we share together, an issue. My, one of my first major uh, bills up in, in Lansing dealt with historic preservation uh, tax credits. And I was able to work with the chair of a committee who was from Traverse City. And we worked together to sneak something in a bill. Uh, and we uh, we got it through the House, through the Senate, and uh, John English signed it. But it was one of those that if you can find something you can agree on and work together on, you can start to build relationships. And that's really what my life has been about, is relationships. And that's really what I try to bring uh, to this job as well. Uh, What do we do uh, in government relations? Well, we are the uh, real focal point, the uh, area within the university that's externally focused on local, state, and federal government and our community partnerships around the state. So we have an office in D.C., we have an office in Lansing, we obviously have an office in Ann Arbor uh, in the new restored Ruthven building. So come by, if you've never been to the Ruthven for a while, come on in and see us, we'd love to have you there. And then we also have uh, statewide outreach folks. So we have two people who divide the state in half and they do community outreach, going to different meetings, trying to connect community interest entities uh, with the university and a particular, you know, finding out that, that someone has uh, an interest uh, in helping their community on some issue. We try to connect them with resources at the university uh, and, and bring those folks together to address whatever that issue is. Uh, because the University of Michigan is a public university with a public mission. I would never applied for this position if it had been with a private university. I was drawn to it because of its public mission and the role that we can play here in Michigan in driving public policy uh, forward. I have distilled down uh, to our sort of goals uh, of an organization into three. Politicians are really good at having three or five, uh, you know, goals or points because that's all we can remember. I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> we're limited in our abilities. Uh, But but really, one, the the, the first goal I have for the the organization is to bring home the bacon. In politics terms, pork is money that goes to somebody else's district. When it comes to yours, it's bacon. So number one, we want to draw down resources that can really help the university fulfill uh, its mission, whether it's education, research, healthcare, you name it. We want to, to make sure we have the necessary resources there. Uh, we then want to advance good public policy and stop bad public policy as it affects the university and, and our interest. And that's, you know, goal number two. And that's, there's so many interests there, so many, you know, issues uh, that it, it keeps us going uh, quick. Uh, legislators like to introduce lots of bills. I know I did uh, too, and probably drove Cynthia crazy. Uh, but at the same point, uh, the third one really is to to strengthen existing relationships and to build new relationships that will help the university further its public mission and to improve the quality of life of the residents here in Michigan. And that really is where a lot of my heart uh, goes into is figuring out where are those partnerships we can build to do that. So I try to bring that that framework uh, to work every day, whether it's with Ann Arbor, and they're trying to figure out where are those interests that we have together that we can work on, where is it the state that we can partner to move the state forward, and where the federal government are the things that we can do together, bring you know, information, discovery, research, where we can help the federal government move public policy forward, uh, as well. And then it's the you know it's the really getting down and, and talking to folks and finding and I like to call them entities because they could be a government, they could be a community group, it could be a neighborhood, you name it, that we can marriage up uh, with the resources that we have at the University of Michigan. You now we are now the largest university in the state. Uh, we have the greatest, we have the largest incoming class ever, over 7,000, you know, First-year students, we don't call them freshmen anymore. Uh, I am old and I sometimes use uh, language that I need to be careful with. Uh, but the same point, uh, they come from all over, all 83 counties of the state of Michigan. There are just over 50% of them are from Michigan. The other half, a uh, little less than half, come from outer state. But I see that as an asset for the state of Michigan. We'll get to that uh, later on. Um, but. We are, you know, one of the top research universities in the world—not just the country, but in the world—and we're known throughout. And it's really making us more accessible to to others. That what our job uh, really is. I had within a year, I had three bosses, uh, three different presidents, and uh, with the, you know, this current president, Santa Ono, we do call him Santa. Uh, <laughs> So he was announced on uh, July 15th, I get home, and I'm sitting at home and my other half goes, you know what? I'm like, what? You work for Santa. <laughs> and it burst out, I mean, it made me burst out laughing. I still, I still think about that. And, and you know, the guy's gotten it all his life, but he embraces it. Uh, and, and he is great, because you don't have to call him President Ono, oh, you call him Santa, and he goes to almost any meeting and he introduces himself as Santa. Uh, Santa has, has come in and he's really done you know, a few, you know, focusing on some areas. We are doing a strategic vision for the next 10 years of the uh, university. And we're doing a comprehensive land plan uh, as well. We're doing lots of outreach to get input uh, on both of those uh, uh, endeavors. We are doing a values journey as well. <laughs> But his real focus is on you know, students and education, making sure it's affordable and accessible. Uh, he is focused on the student and community, the university community's well-being and success. We do want to continue to grow our research uh, portfolio. We were the number one public research university uh, in the country. We have dipped just a little, but that just makes us work harder and we are going to retake that number one spot. Uh, our healthcare uh, system is expanding so that we can reach the entire state of Michigan. And one of the areas that he is really keen on is economic development. It's something he did in Ohio when he was president at the University of Cincinnati. And when he was just recently the, uni- the president of the University of British Columbia, that he led uh, their efforts on economic development and would jump on a plane with the governor or the premier and go anywhere to help attract uh, business to, the, to that locale. Uh, so he's offered to do that uh, for the governor. Uh, she has put him on the Michigan Economic Development Corporation's executive committee, which is the, the body that, that really develops a, a strategy uh, for MEDC uh, to move the state forward. She also put him on recently the Growing Michigan Together uh, coalition. And he's really focused in on how do we grow uh, the state of Michigan and how do we make you know, we have we have all these students that come in from out our state and the ones who are in Michigan. How do we make it so it's sticky enough uh, that they stay? What is that we need to make our state sticky uh, so they stay here? And he has some great ideas on that. And so we're really you know looking forward uh, to doing that. And then the other thing is he's he's really focused on those big. I call them gnarly, you know, ideas or challenges. Climate change, sustainability is a huge one uh, for us. How do we make sure that uh, society is more equitable? How can we make sure that people have access uh, to healthcare? And how can we drive research forward for the betterment of, of all of us? So that's really his sort of big vision. I haven't asked him if he's okay I do that, but that's the way I distill uh, what we're working on. And we've had some major victories uh, recently at the state level. When I got hired in, uh, President Slisso asked me to really focus on the state level because we had some uh, challenges there uh, with a, a legislature who many of them thought that the University of Michigan was a bunch of leftist socialists teaching uh, their kids to hate America was a direct quote uh, that I was given about how one of the Republican caucuses felt about us. He said, I don't believe that, but that's what my caucus members uh, believe. And I will believe he's one of the people who said he wasn't voting for Trump, but did. Just telling <laughs> that his neighbor was gonna vote for Trump. No, I mean, it it's, it's really is sort of how we were seen as arrogant, unapproachable. We wouldn't engage on issues, and so I promise them I will engage on any issue you have, and we will, you know, work through that issue. We may get to the end of that engagement and not still not agree, but you will have been heard, and we will have engaged with you, and we'll engage again whenever we have to. We've made that uh, not only our promise but our, our mantra uh, when we're up in Lansing because it's really important. Uh, while the Democrats do control the, the you know, the governor's seat. And now the House and Senate, uh, the legislatures, because of the new independent uh, redistricting commission, we only—they only have a couple seat, you know, majority. We could, in coming up next fall, have a split, you know, legislature again, where Republicans control, you know, the House. We don't know, so we have to operate in a way that that doesn't burn bridges, but builds just more bridges with everybody and go up there uh, and listen to what people have, think and do. So we're doing that. We were able with that sort of approach of coming up with you know ideas of how we can move the state forward. We got just the other year, $130 million to develop a new electric vehicle center uh, here in, in Michigan. And we saw it as it was an outgrowth of a conversation I had with the Senate budget committee chair, Jim Stamas, where he asked me if you had a billion dollars, how would you spend it? What both of us didn't know is they were going to have about eleven billion dollars to spend, but they had a billion dollars at the time of excess money and they didn't quite know how they would do it. So we gave them multiple ideas, but one of them was the uh, electric vehicle center. I truncated it down to EV center, but electric vehicle uh, center. And we started to talk to them about, you know, Michigan has been at the heart of the mobility industry for over a century. And if we wanted to keep being at the center, we needed to make investments. Your, your automobile or truck is becoming a computer on wheels. And that's different than what it has been. And you can build a computer anywhere in the world. You no longer are tied to the Motor City, to Michigan or the Midwest to build it a vehicle. And mobility is not just land, it's air and it's water. And things are moving quickly And the state. If the state wants to remain at the center of the mobility industry, we have to make investments that will keep us in a leadership position. And they hurt us. It didn't hurt us that GM and Ford decided to make investments in Tennessee and Kentucky. We didn't know that. We started this conversation before that but that really put sort of some fire underneath the, the legislators' uh, you know, seats and made them move forward. So we're really appreciative of that. Uh, we have been getting steady increases in our operational funds from Lansing. This year we got 5%. We now get over $350 million in operating uh, expenses from uh, funds from the state. It's great. It's still less than when I was in the legislation, it was $364 million. But we're, we're coming back up uh, as we go. They have created uh, a new scholarship fund, the Michigan uh, Achievement Scholarship, that will give uh, to, to students uh, $5,500 a year to attend a four-year university. And they give that uh, scholarship for five years, so that's very helpful. And they've created a new uh, funding source that many states have. Uh, it's called ITEMS, uh, and that is Infrastructure Technology Equipment and Maintenance and Public Safety. And so they have created a pot of money that they're going to distribute based upon the number of students we have uh, and, and give it to us, uh, the, un- the public universities. Uh, hopefully it will be an ongoing, it's, this is the first year, uh, it's, they're using one-time money um, but that could mean up to 30 million more dollars for the university to spend on those type of uh, uh, costs. And so that's done in other states. It's new here in Michigan. In Michigan, we have traditionally, when it comes to higher ed, we have given money for base operations funding. We give money for uh, capital outlay for buildings. We give up the $30 million uh, for buildings. And then uh, it is student, uh, financial aid is a third area. What we are pushing now is we are pushing for a fourth leg of that stool. And this is something that the federal government has done the most of, and that's to fund research, to figure out how we can get the state to help us fund research uh, that will, one, help us draw down federal dollars to fill in gaps where the federal money and and other uh, dollars don't necessarily meet all of our needs, but to get them thinking that we need to do more. Places like Texas are doing this. New York is doing it. Ohio, Indiana, they're putting hundreds of millions of dollars. Texas is over a billion. Uh, University of Texas, Austin itself is getting 600 million dollars. Texas A&M is getting over 400 million dollars. New York was over a billion dollars. Even Kansas is putting hundreds of millions of dollars into it. This is where state governments are going, and we need to to catch up and surpass them if Michigan wants to continue to be a leading state. So that's a new area that we're really putting uh, our focus on with them. But it's different than us just going up and asking for money. It's always been about give me, give me, give me. What we're trying to say is let's find priorities where together we can make progress and partner with the state. We are beginning to look at where we, the University of Michigan can put some of its capital to make investments with the state to move forward on these issues. Uh, Economic development, we're really starting to look at what we can do. We're in part of the strategic vision and the comprehensive land plan process, we're looking at uh, an innovation district. What are we going to do with North Campus? Lots of land. Virtually all the other research universities have an innovation uh, uh, district. We used to call them tech parks, uh, but this is both public and private. uh, And it's, you know, from, from major entities that you would know to the startups that are coming out of uh, the ideas that are being generated here on, con- on campus and you create this ecosystem that drives economic development here at the state. How much should we as a university put into venture capital? Now, we can create funds that are evergreen meaning that as those companies succeed they pay the fund back and we just keep reinvesting uh, that money versus just going to the state and saying I want a hundred million. It's great when they got $11 billion extra. It's not great when they don't have any extra money. So we're trying to think, how can we partner with them? We're doing this with Ann Arbor. Uh, At the uh, town gown dinner, it was, let's talk about areas that we can find to work together, whether it's economic development, whether it's sustainability, where it's housing. Housing, not just for students, which I'll talk about, um, but workforce uh, housing as well. Transportation, how can we work together, both on motorized transportation, our buses, our cars, our our parking structures, our EV charging stations. What about non-motorized, biking and walking? How can we work together? I'm tired of fighting over the East Medical Center bridge and a sidewalk, whether it should be 10 feet or 14 feet. I want to talk and think strategically, big vision, how do we make sure that when you, tra- when you traverse the city, that you know how to get from the city cross campus back to city and do it in a way that gets you to where you want to go and get you there safely? Those are the type of conversations we should be having together. And those are the same type of conversations we need to have with the state and with the federal government. And we have a president now who believes in partnerships. We have met, you know, I think probably the first time We met with the county executives of Wayne County, Oakland County, and Macomb County. And we said to them, we want to partner with you. Tell us what your issues are, and we want to partner with you. We did this at the Mackinac Policy Conference. And Macomb County said, we've never had a University of Michigan president ever, one, invite us to, to meet, or two, offer to help us. And I will tell you that only Oakland has taken us up on that and I have second meetings with them, but we're still trying. The City of Detroit, the mayor, the mayor of Detroit, U of M grad, we're working all the time uh, with Detroit. Uh, he has taken us up on that. But the real nice thing is we're, we're not going in with an agenda. We're not saying we want to work on this with you. We want to say, what is it you need help on? Where are the areas you think that we can partner together? And we'll do that together. We'll, we'll figure it out together. And that's what a true partnership is. It's not us saying what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. It's like, what should we be doing? How should we be doing it? And how can we do it together? Community is both the entity that the corporate body. It's also the community and everyone who's ever spent any time and done any work in Detroit understands that community is a really uh, interesting uh, concept when it comes to Detroit. Community can be a city street, it can be a city block, it can be a neighborhood, it can be a community organization, uh, it can be some sort of sub you know, group of government uh, to the city council and to the mayor's office. So there's all sorts of community in Detroit and we have over 5,000, I mean, excuse me, 500 projects uh, in the city of Detroit, but they're very decentralized. We need to figure out a way to have a more centralized strategic engagement uh, with the state's largest a city and where we were born. That's where Michigan was born. The University of Michigan was born in Detroit before we moved to Ann Arbor. We have a special relationship and we want to make sure that when we talk with Detroit, that all of us understand, we're talking about how do we strengthen a partnership that's over a hundred, you know, 200 years old. I don't want to battle over one building or one project. I want to think together about how we build something bigger and more strategic that lasts for another hundred years. That's what we're trying to do here at the University of Michigan. Economic development, I think I've talked a little bit about that, but a couple areas of importance are microelectronics, semiconductors. Who knew until the the pandemic how many things needed a computer chip to work? And when we didn't have access to them because the supply chain was disrupted because of the pandemic, Cars couldn't get made. Go try to buy a dishwasher, and you're lucky if you had one or two models to choose from, or a washer and dryer. They just weren't available because we couldn't get the chips uh, that make those things go and work. Uh, it's huge. The Biden administration has decided that the federal government should invest in research again, and should invest in R&D. And so the Chips Act, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, the all the climate work, all of that is spending federal dollars once again in R&D and in science. European Union does it, China, Pacific, they do it. We are finally doing it, at least we did it for a couple of years uh, and we need to take advantage of that. So we are, we're moving very quickly in microelectronics. We have one of the best semiconductor microelectronics engineering programs uh, in the country and we need to take advantage of that and work with the state to help bring down uh, federal dollars. We put together a consortium. It's called MSTAR Star Consortium, and it has GM. It has a company called KLA. It has University of Michigan, the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, the state of Michigan. Uh, did I say Washington County uh, Community College? Uh, we have also a Belgian entity called IMEC, which is the intercollegiate. Uh, microelectronics Consortium. It is a who's who of the scientific world and of the manufacturing and research world who works in microelectronics. Uh, and they work together, they work separately, protect proprietary information, but also driving the industry forward. With the CHIPS Act and uh, the Biden administration's wanting to bring chip manufacturing back to the United States and we're spending, it's harder to get foreign chips in. IMEC is looking to invest in, in the United States, Michigan, Indiana, Florida, and other places where they can take advantage of what's going on. And so we are in conversation with them uh, to do that. And we're partnering with the state to make sure they get the funds to take root here. Uh, and it won't be before it'll be, GM, it'll be, Florida, it'll be Uh, all the other mobility industries uh, as well, if we're successful. And it won't just be about four year and master's and PH students. It will be providing workforce development for folks who will be displaced as we go from the internal combustion engine to to battery driven uh, cars and vehicles. And we need to think about that. There are going to be some people who can transition easily, but there's going to be other jobs in other companies that don't. So we need to make sure that we are providing workforce development training for them. And it doesn't mean that it will be necessarily be the University of Michigan doing it, but we'll have a partner like Washtenaw Community College or Macomb Community College. And what we'll do is make sure that what they need to teach, we're providing that knowledge, make sure that what they're doing is of high quality and relevant to what needs to be done, and then let their that partner do the actual training and teaching. That's what it's all about now. And it's not all about getting a two year or four year or a master's or PhD. It's going to be a lifetime learning experience and folks are going to be getting certificates uh, and, and others you know, saying that I've gone back and I've gotten that. We can do stackable uh, you know, certifications where after you get a few of them, you get a degree. We can get some doing some workforce development. They decide, you know what, like get a two year degree. We can work with them to get a two year degree. We can build a path from that two-year degree, if they want, to get a four-year degree. And if they want to go on, we can get them on to a master's and a PhD. But that's what it's going to be if we're going to stay competitive, and we want to be a part of that. We are no longer that ivory tower that does what we want to do because we just want to do it. That will still happen. We'll still have a 1,000 flowers blooming, but we're going to have some really centralized strategic areas where we want to, take a, want to make a push. And it won't be in areas that we know nothing about. You know, it's going to be in areas that we have expertise and people are coming to us. One of those areas that's going to be, I think, really exciting is around high performance computing, AI. Things are going to be done on a computer that currently are done in a laboratory. Chemistry, medicine. We're going to be doing a lot of work there. And then once you get to the final stage, you'll bring it into a laboratory. So much is going to be done there. And it's not just in the science level. It's in the arts uh, as well, the humanities. Things are happening on computers if you have a high enough performing, a high-speed computer. And we're behind. The University of Michigan is behind. And we need to, on the top 25 universities with high-speed computing, we're not on it. We're not spending enough. We are going to be spending in that area. I can almost guarantee you. nothing is given until the regents have spoken. God, this is being recorded, isn't it? I should be careful. <laughs> but, but anyways, these are, these are where we need to make investments and where the president's focused in on. And when we talk to the regents, they are extremely excited about that. Sarah Hubbard, who is the chair, is focused on economic development. But we understand that we live in, in a world that's changing constantly. Our role is not to necessarily look at from here to five years out. Our role is to look from five to 10 years to see what's on the horizon, make those investments so that we as a state, as a country in the world are prepared to deal with what's on the horizon. That's where we have our greatest impact. And we have done amazing things at this university. My job is to make sure we can continue to do that by providing the funds, building the partnerships and making sure that people don't clip our wings when the political winds change. I don't want to be a Florida. I don't want to be told what to do. We're lucky we have autonomy, but that could be changed with a constitutional amendment. We need to be seen as a partner. And though we don't have a direct connection to state government, because we are sort of that fourth uh, rail of government, we need to be working together to solve these problems. And it can't just be in one area of the state and not in another, it's gotta be across the entire state. And that is what I think our mission is. It's a challenge, it's not easy, but it sure as hell is a lot of fun. I'll tell you, my job goes from that East Medical Center bridge and, and making sure that the pedestrians and bikers can get across it safely to having a graduate stuck in Afga- you know, Afghanistan when the United States was pulling out and making sure my team was working their, well, I call a Rolodex, now they call their network, uh, but calling everybody and anyone who might be able to help and everything in between. Free speech is a huge issue. It is. If you can't have you know, political discourse on a college campus, where can you have it? We have to be mindful of what our role is and how we can better society. And this is why I came to this job. I wanna be part of that, be part of the greatest university where I took my first breath and understand the power of what it did for one kid, introduced him to people who were totally different than him, who introduced the world to him, not just countries and people, but ideas. I focused on environmental, you know, natural resources because I got exposed to it here at the university. I had a roommate who was taking classes in it. Taken all the classes on political science that I wanted to take and I needed to do something. And he, and he's and I asked him what his book he was looking at. It was on ecology. I said, What's that? And he started to talk to me. I said, Well, that's kind of cool. Maybe next week, next semester, I'll take a course. I took a course. I loved it. I got into energy policy. And I'm you know, still using energy policy. We look at renewable energy and sustainability you know, on campus. That's what the power of the university is on an individual basis. And collectively, we're more than the parts. We move this world, this state, this country forward. And I'm so happy to be able to do that and be a part of a team that's focused on the better good. And all of you know that because you've been a part of it. You know how great this university can be and is. I'm not, I don't have blinders on. I know we have serious issues that have to be addressed. But if we can't do it, I don't know who else can. And I'd rather a public university do it for the public good than a private entity doing it for a private good. And So I'm gonna end it there, because I can pontificate uh, <laughs> forever. But, but questions you might have, there's, there, I, if I don't want to answer I'll just say I don't want to answer that. However you guys want to do it. Uh, so I got a question. How, how does your office incorporate
0: our flint Dearborn campus?
1: They have their separate government relations entities. So as you know, the University of Michigan is three separate universities, and we now say one community. Uh, We share a precedent and we share a board of regents, but we're three separate corporations and corporate entities. So I do not oversee Flint and Dearborn, but we work with them all the time. And Flint is reloading and obviously with their search now for a new uh, chancellor, uh, though that new chancellor will come in and have to make uh, some decisions on how they want to handle their government relations. Dearborn is down one individual for government relations and uh, we've talked about how we can support them. But they, they make their own decisions and, and hopefully we're on the same side of some issues and sometimes it's difficult. Uh, the Michigan Legislature started to fund what they called a floor funding model. So he wanted all universities to get at least $4,500 per full-time student. And that potentially took money away from what we might get, but it benefited both Flint and Dearborn uh, the first two, the first year and then I think Dearborn the second year. Uh, but it was a policy. We had to be careful how we traverse that, uh, but we did. And we're able to work together mostly on, on most of these things. So-
0: when I came here 18 years ago, uh, the high performance computing was almost non existent. Right? And, and it, it, there was a struggle to try and get the university to feel that we couldn't just do this, get started with our own grants, and get any. Yeah.
1: I can't, you know, nothing's guaranteed, but, I, but I, I think there's a lot of interest around it because we see the power of it. Uh, and we see the power of doing it ourselves versus doing it through a third party or letting other people buy time on a, on a, on a high performance computer somewhere else. So when you, when you put it all together, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, one of the issues we are looking at, and it, it kind of tickles me in one way, uh, or it comes back to bite me, but it's on and the and the amount of energy that high-performance computing takes. And we're talking about water-cooled, I mean, really high, powerful machines, uh, and they are energy-intensive. And so we have to address that. Uh, so that is one, but that's one where someone, I won't say who, but someone raised that question. It was like, ooh, ouch, they got me. Right where it hurts the most. But uh, I think it, I... If we want to continue to, to be at the leading edge of research, I think we have to, and it's not just scientific research engineering. This is on all phases of, of, of research and education, and it's, it's going to be really important. And obviously there's ethical issues that we have to work through as well. And what better entity to, to address those issues? Uh, we, I had the chance of sitting in on a meeting that U.S. Senator Gary Peters was having at the Ford School about some of these issues. And, The social sciences have been dealing with AI for decades. It's not a new issue. It's just come before us is sort of like this brand new issue, but they've been dealing with it and we can and talking through those issues. Uh, One of the aspects they were talking about uh, was uh, when it comes to military use. We, the United States, always has a human being behind Uh, the drone or the other, you know, the other, you know, weapon. That's not true in other countries. And when you remove that that human, you know, person, that element, it changes some of your decision making. It's easier to launch. You're not the one dealing with it. You're not the one watching the screen. Keeping a human involved in that decision making process is really important. Uh, There's a whole bunch of stuff when it goes to, you know, Mobility and you know, autonomous vehicles, all sorts of things. That, you know, just being aware and having a university where all of those thought processes and experts can come in and challenge you on all of these, these uh, ideas and questions is important and powerful because they aren't easy you know, questions. If they were, we'd be having the solutions every day. People like me would be coming up with the solutions. Uh, so it, it is a challenge but like a politician i can eat up a lot of time on one question <laughs> if i was a betting person i think we will how much you know where but we have got to be back on that list whether will we be number one i can't tell you but we'll be we'll be with our peers and that's going to be really important mississippi state's putting 20 million dollars into it right now you got to believe that a university like that sees it as a needed investment we will. Too. i think we will so that's you know, this is the hard part being a politician. I'm often willing to take risk uh, because without taking risks, you don't always get gain. I'm very conscious of the public dollar. It's not my money. Uh, I wanna be careful, make you know good investments. When I go to the state and ask for money, I wanna make sure it's a good bet for the state. because uh, I wanna come back next time and they say that was a great bet, Chris, you know, and we're willing to bet with you again. But I gotta believe it's an area that we need to do more in ourselves and make those type of investments. So long way to get DS.
0: Uh, I came to Michigan, I I wasn't born here and I didn't grow up here. And I came in the very late 60s. So I have been, I visited this resident in the state. When the university made its big push into raising money privately mm-hmm. if you remember it mm-hmm.
1: well you probably too young oh uh, thank you I, bless you but
0: the point was the state money died dried up for various reasons and, and it wasn't ill will in the legislature I don't think uh, but the state had problems and I wondered how much your office now works with this fairly large development operation it's probably bigger than your office is <laughs> <laughs>
1: You can, you can bet on that one. We're a very small unit uh, at the University of Michigan. Those development dollars are very important for, this, for the university, but they are, they come with strings attached, meaning that there are conditions on, on where they can be spent, how they can be spent. I have a very small scholarship program in two different areas of the university. and I'm starting a third one, very modest you know, but still important. And and I dictate where those dollars will be spent and how they're on scholarship. Two of them are scholarship uh, for undergrads. A third one's going to be in something at Michigan Medicine. Uh, But they're really those are really important dollars. I don't work that much with them uh, in like my governmental side. I do work with them on their partnerships when donors come to events to make sure that we're there to talk with them. There are some very, a lot of our donors are very much involved in my world, whether from a governmental or political aspect. And I wanna be there and work with them. And sometimes I'll connect them to a visiting, uh, I like to call them decision makers. That's my code for, for elected officials, uh, or, or, you know, administrative officials. But anyways, uh, we like to connect them if possible. It's just like, I wanna connect you and you to people you want to know as well. It becomes sort of my chits that I have in my pocket. I always want to have more chits in my pocket from you than you have from me, but that's just another. But yeah, but I don't necessarily work that closely with them, but when needed, we do work together and there is strong overlap uh, with that as well. Is that, is that good enough? Clear enough?
0: Chris. I'd like to take you back to your city council days and as we read the Anniversary News, we see the words affordable housing mentioned a lot and what I haven't heard is people blaming the university on one of the reasons of affordable housing. If it wasn't until just recently we've started to build some more dormitories but we keep chowder and as you mentioned earlier we had the largest freshman class ever we keep bringing in bodies and I wonder how many people in this room actually live in Ann Arbor one way or another and how many people actually can move in what are we doing what's the university doing to work with the to help solve this affordable housing
1: I'm sure that the graduate uh, students are going to appreciate it too the next time
0: they go on strike and want a raise of their money because most of them are I mean in Ann Arbor
1: yeah I mean we're one we're you know We have rolling out phase one of new central campus dormitories. Uh, If you go down by Elbel Field, you'll see the work that's going on there. Between phase one and phase two, we're hoping to build 4,500 new uh, dorms for uh, undergrads uh, first year. The first phase is aimed at uh, first year students coming in. Our goal is to be able to house uh, any student who's looking uh, for housing on campus, but you know after a year or two they don't really want to live on on campus uh, but we have been increasing our population and we had hoped you know some people had hoped that when the high rises came in, the ones that cost you fifteen to eighteen hundred dollars a month for a room with four other roommates connected to a central uh, living area that, that would help on sort of the alleviating some of the pressure uh, you know on the, the housing market. what happened is it's to to help fill some of the holes, budgetary holes, that the university decided to bring more students in. And so it it didn't quite have the effect some of us originally thought uh, it would have. But we are talking about housing, not just for students, but for uh, not just undergrads, but graduate students, as well as workforce uh, housing. And that's part of this visioning uh, exercise and comprehensive land plan. That's going on right now. What is the role of the university uh, to be a partner in that with the community to provide some sort of uh, workforce housing? I think I think there's a there's an interest in doing it. I can't tell you where all the decision makers will, will end up, uh, but you could see you know us doing some sort of 99-year land lease. To an entity who then builds some sort of workforce uh, housing. We really want to create a very vibrant North Campus, and to have impact on the city in a good way. So that's one of the areas that's being talked about. Uh, so it's one of those ideas that's really being focused on. But really, currently our main focus is making sure we have enough dormitory rooms uh, for the for the first year students, for transfer students, and then second year students uh, as well. So it is an issue. Listen. We're. I, I ran way back in the 90s on affordable housing and what we should be doing as a city. Uh, and I'll tell you, it wasn't a couple of years ago that the city passed affordable housing millage, so we actually have money now. Uh, so we're there. Uh, we want to partner with the city uh, on that issue. It's a different pres- perspective than we've had before. You talked a lot about- I talked a lot. I know.
0: Partnerships <laughs> your Focus. Um, tell us how you partner with your colleagues
1: at Michigan State, Wayne State, and other universities. Are you
0: partners? Are you uh, competitors? Are you both? Both, and how the universities get together, and also how you relate to those
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, we we have an entity that unites the three research universities called the Research, uh, research Quarter, URC uh, for short. Uh, and there's, there's lots of stories about why that was developed, and I'll tell you my version of that, is that some of the smaller public universities was eat, were eating our lunch in Lansing, uh, and, and really came up with this, looking at how many students they had and how little they got per student. Uh, and they made a great they made a good argument, and they started to get funded more than uh, the research universities, the other issue with the research universities, uh, and we were competing against Michigan and Michigan State, we're all competing against each other. Wayne State was having issues on performance uh, back when I was in the legislature uh, as well. Uh, but then also looking at how we, or we weren't, weren't cooperating on research uh, together. Uh, so the URC was created uh, when Mary Sue was first uh, here in her first uh, president uh, role uh, to try to bring us together and to do more, sort of like Research Triangle in North Carolina and other places. Yep, go to the mic. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't like hearing my voice. So, <laughs> But we, we really have tried to work together. Uh, it's one of those that we don't try to ever say ill of another university, and I mean that. I can't say 100% that the others do that. Uh, but that's fine. That's not. That's for them. We have our own values and how I want to operate and how my predecessor operate. I Cynthia Wilbanks had twenty three years in this position. She did a lot of really good things, and I'm not here to to you know throw up the cards and say we got to do it differently. We just want to build on the foundation she made. So we won't speak ill of another university. We won't undercut another university but we will try to bring some facts to the table in a way that that adds to the conversation isn't a subtraction. So I won't go to the legislature and say, the University of Mid, let this case, I won't say, well, you gave them $130 million last year. I want my money this year. And I can tell you, we will never say that. I can't tell you that somebody else didn't say it. It's just the way of the world.
0: Hi, I want to thank you for coming today. It's so exciting to hear about what your small but mighty office is doing and- um, It's the university that, that does it. And also the great um, vision on the horizon, and I know that you, you're doing that in conjunction with many others at the university. On the topic of partnerships, we feel like we have a pretty vibrant uh, organization here, the U of Association, and most of us love the university, and.
1: Um, Any thoughts about how we might partner with your office? Yeah, I do. Uh, We didn't... This was part of the original conversation for having me here, and I obviously took us off a different path somewhat. This is probably where I do uh, have some may part ways with my predecessor a a little bit. Uh, When I was at... I I did a little bit of work at the... Well, I'm a political creature, so I, I understand, you know, the power of of folks, of individuals, and and making progress on issues. Uh, But when I was at the Early Childhood Investment Corporation, uh, we put together uh, our coalitions into an an advocacy group, uh, and we really wanted them to be the voice on, on this issue. I think that we have a great opportunity, not only with you, but with the Alumni Association, to bring voices to the table, to help persuade and educate our decision makers uh, on different issues. I also think the coolest thing is that we can bring people to those organizations and have a dialogue and present stuff to you. I always thought we had to feed each other, meaning that I should bring something to the table that feeds your thirst for knowledge or your excitement. So having a Gary Peters come in, having, you know, some sort of, Town Hall. We can do these things now electronically so easily that we can give you food for thought, and then we can turn around and say, if you, you know, here's what we're looking at. So then I can ask you to do something. We would never want to ask you to do something that wasn't a natural ask. Take a controversial role. It's not what we would do. But there has been a decline in public support for higher education. We know that. Uh, people know it's a it's a good thing to have a degree, but they don't think it's worth it. I mean, so politicians don't want to put money into it. Well, we need to start having other voices talk about it. And you're one of those natural bodies that if we wanted to do it, we could. The downside is, I have to trust you to stay on message. <laughs> and, and we had this, you know, you know ECIC, we had a, a capital day. And for the most part, people stayed on message, but they didn't, they didn't always, and you have to deal with that. My predecessor wanted to really control the message, and I understand why. <laughs> uh, but I think it's something we want to talk about and think about how we could do that. And like I said, I don't see it as a one-way you know, street. It's two-way. I should be bringing you something that you want and get something for in exchange. Then you're a stronger supporter of, of our bigger community and want to help out. And that's how I, I see it. And I'm working with the Alumni Association. This isn't too, too bad it's going, it's on camera, but uh, you know, speed is not quite where I'd like it to be, but hey, they've gone, they're going through a leadership change as well. Steve Grafton was all on board. Uh, we were moving that obviously with an interim. Uh, we are continuing to work on that, but that's 600,000 people. You know, they're in every state of the country. We could have a national presence. I'd be just happy to have an Ann Arbor or Lansing presence, uh, but it would be one that that I think could have some benefit and could be a lot of fun and could continue the education process. Because that's what, I mean, it's really about enriching you to then be an advocate for us in a very natural, beneficial way. I just don't want to use you. I want to be a partner with you. It's my mantra, partnership. Right? So
0: this this is a question yeah, this is going to piggyback on the dorm question. Yep. And that is, can you describe the quality of
1: relationship with, with between the university and Ann Arbor and the city? <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. It depends on if they're on camera or not. No. <laughs> See, I can say these type of things. Well, I've been you know, on city council, I've been in the legislature. I can make fun of people, because uh, I've been there uh, and I make fun of myself uh, mostly. We're on, really, I, mean, I think we're on pretty good Uh, relationships. Obviously, listen, I call the university a gorilla. Come on. How can I, you know, say anyone can't say anything bad about the university? Uh, I I think we need to do more. Uh, I need more time in the day. I need to have someone clone me or do something, you know, but we really want to. We have a great relationship with the city administration, administrator Milton Dehoney. He's a great, he comes from Cincinnati since, I mean, from Phoenix, Cincinnati, he has more of a big city, sort of a look at this. Uh, so we're working you know, very well, I think, on administrative side. It's really working with the, the council members and the mayor. So, as I said, we have to identify those shared interests where we share uh, a priority, move forward on that. That allows you then to address those issues where you don't necessarily agree. Building a positive and productive relationship allows you to address uh, those other areas where you may have some chafing, and I, I get it. I'm a townie, I've been here, you know. But we're willing to, to really work with them, and it's you know bringing, whether it's bringing resources, whether it's bringing you know not just financial, um, but our own, you know, uh, persona to bear on an issue. We're going to do it. Uh, we want to do it not just in Ann Arbor, but we want to do it in Detroit, we want to do it in Flint and Dearborn, and we want to do it with the rest of the state. That's what will build support for Michigan in the state capitol. When we're relevant to the residents of the entire state of Michigan, we'll be really relevant to the decision makers in Lansing because they listen to their constituents. And you know, that was my predecessor's You know, great mind thinking, and I've just stolen it because that's what politicians do. We still, we still other people's ideas, but I'm really excited about you know working with city council because I know what what it's like to be at the table. I know what it's like to be a legislator. I know it's hard sometimes to go from that very parochial perspective to have a, a wider perspective. But when I'm in Lansing, I'm not, I don't do this. I want to do it. I want to remind them that what's the first word in their title? It's state. It's not Ann Arbor representative or Birmingham. It's state. Representative, state senator. I want them to think state, you know, why. The city, I get it. I understand. We put great demands on the city. When we move, we leave big footprints. I get that. I've been there. But we also have the ability to be a good partner. And so our first response should never be no. It should be, well, let's talk about that. Let's see what we can do. Discuss it. Figure it out. If we can do something, let's do something. And sometimes just say yes, because it's the right thing to do to say yes. All right.
0: Chris, thank you very much. This was very interesting. It was inspirational. Um, And we will partner when you are ready to talk about partnership. Perfect, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Appreciate all that all of you have done for the university and for
1: the community. I really mean that. I, I sometimes takes ownership of the university, but it's not. it's all of you and everyone that's we have over 50,000 employees. We have 50,000 students, 50,000 employees here in this really tight you know campus, and it's a unique uh, and great place and it's only that because of all of you. so thank you very much. appreciate Thank it. you very
0: much.